0: Thank you for taking time to listen to our service. We're happy you've joined us today. Visit NBCOcala.com to find out more about who we are as a ministry or get information about upcoming events. There you can also discover all the convenient ways to partner with us financially. Thanks again for joining us. Enjoy the service. Amen. Help me welcome our internet family if you would. God bless you guys. So glad you're with us. Peace to your house. You may be seated. You may be seated. So glad you're all here this morning. We're uh, continuing on a series called, What on Earth Am I Here For? It is probably the big question, and if you can get that one right, um, the rest of it kind of falls into place. You know, if you mess up in pre-algebra, how many of you know that algebra one and two are going to be a challenge? I'm sharing my personal testimony, y'all, you know? And, uh, you know, so there's certain things, we get those things in place. And if, if you and I can understand, what on earth am I here for? That I do matter, that there is purpose, there is meaning in this, uh, that can make a world of difference. So, to recap just a little bit, let me go back into Psalm 100. Psalm 100, verse 3. It says, Know that the Lord is good. Uh, know that the Lord, He is God, and He is good. It is He who has made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Let me break it down with my takeaway again He is God. He made me, I belong to Him. He'll take good care of me. Amen. Amen. Amen? And that, as I've said the last few weeks, is pretty much all you need to know. And everything else is kind of built off of that foundation. So let's come back to our question here, you know, of what on earth am I here for? We saw in the first week of this series, I'm here, I'm here for God. Based on that verse alone, you know, he's God. He made me. I belong to him. He'll take care of me. You know, I'm, then I'm here for you. I'm here for you and for your glory. And so, first of all, what on earth am I here for? You're going to find your purpose in your relationship with God and in your awareness that He is God, that He made you, that you belong to Him, and He will take care of you. You're going to find purpose in that. Second of all, then, He wants us, what what on earth am I here for? He wants us to belong to His family. It is not good. It's not wise. It's not safe for us to be isolated and alone. He wants us in family. And then last week we saw, what on earth am I here for? We're here to become more and more like Jesus. The only real chance of the world seeing God is seeing Jesus in God's people, in the children of God. And Jesus said that if you've seen him, you've seen the Father. So the more of him that is evident in us. So part of our purpose is to represent the family well and represent the Father well and for us to become more and more like Jesus. And today, what on earth am I here for? It flows out of all the rest, and here's our answer. I'm here to serve. Everybody say, to serve. serve. And really, to uh, make the most of this, I want to back up a little bit, okay? So what on earth am I here for? I'm here for God. I'm here to belong to God's family. I'm here to become more like Jesus. I'm here to serve. Let's back up one so we can get the full meaning of to serve I'm here to become more and more like Jesus and to serve. Now, in the Gospels, we have four Gospels, the first four books of the New Testament portion of the, of the Bible. You've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew's Gospel presents Jesus as the king. Luke's, uh, excuse me, Mark's Gospel presents Jesus as the servant. Luke's Gospel presents him as the savior or the messiah. And then John's gospel presents him as the son of God uh, and talks about deity and humanity, incarnation. Well, back to Mark's gospel, he refers and presents Jesus as, as the servant, as the servant. And Mark writes more about what Jesus did than what Jesus said. He focuses in on how he came and how he loved and how he Fed and washed and healed and helped and and taught and died and he's focused much more on what he came uh, to do. Jesus as servant. In Mark chapter ten verse forty-five, Jesus himself says, "For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many." So he came and he left majesty. He left heaven. He left uh, the presence of God like one day we will experience. And he left that. He laid aside majesty. He laid aside his divine privilege. And he came and he served humanity. Now, in Philippians chapter 2, where it talks about that he laid aside divine privilege, that he left all of that, took on the form of a servant, and he came and was made flesh and humbled himself even all the way to the death of the cross. In the middle of that passage, in verse 5, it says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Would you read that verse with me? You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. So if we're going to serve, we're going to need to be more and more like Jesus. And it all starts with a mindset. It actually starts with an attitude, a, a frame of mind. In 2 Corinthians, Paul writes... Uh, and he came as, you know, the, the chief apostle, uh, this powerful leader and minister. And he says, we come to you as your servants. He viewed himself and he viewed his ministry team as servants. I love it in the, in the message paraphrase. It says, all we are is messengers, errand runners from Jesus to you. I think that's a good attitude to have. I can tell you that's my attitude. That's our, our heart's attitude. I don't view this today as a chance to uh, have a public speaking engagement. I view this in prayer and labor and every approach to this. I view this as an opportunity to serve God and to serve you. My prayer is, I want, I, and I've asked the Lord, Lord, help me to serve you well today by serving the people well today. That's our attitude. You know, sometimes people pat me on the back. Oh, thank you, that message changed our family. It helped me so much and so forth. And I and I honestly, humbly reply back and I say, I'm just doing my job. I'm just the delivery guy. How many of you at this time of year like to see the delivery guy coming, you know? You know, the delivery truck with squeaky brakes pulls up in front of your house. Yeah. I'm still a little boy. I still run out to greet him. It's never for me, but anyway... But, you know, today, really, my mindset is I'm, I'm backing the truck up doop, 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 just to unload what I believe that God has for you today. I'm just a messenger. I'm an errand boy from Jesus to you. And I can say that the attitude of our staff and our dream team is we are here to serve God and we're here to serve you. Because to serve God is to serve people. Amen. To serve God is to serve people. Jesus said regarding the kingdom of God, he said, if you want to be first in the kingdom, you need to be last. You need to make yourself last. And the way you do that is by serving. You'll get the opportunity to watch that over the next uh, week or so as different gatherings perhaps that you're a part of. And, you know, and everybody comes for food. How many of you are going to get some opportunity like that, you know. And uh, here's the thing. I, you know, it's like y'all come serve your own plate. And when you come, what's the tendency? Be first. Come on, be first. You know, and I, I fight it too, you know, and I'm hosting sometimes. It's like, ah. But in the kingdom, if you want to be first, you make yourself not first. You make yourself last and you help and you, and you serve Jesus also said, if you want to be great in the kingdom, and he was replying to, his, to some of his disciples who were fighting over who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. And understand that with the kingdom mentality here, he, he didn't push back and say, don't desire to be great in the kingdom. He said, it's how you go about it. And how you go about it in the kingdom of God, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you become a servant of everybody. So whatever you do, say whatever I do. You need to view that as I'm serving them. Serve your husband, and serve your wife, and serve your children, and serve your parents, and serve your neighbor, and serve your 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 clients, your customers. Serve your boss. Serve your coworkers. Serve you know on and on. We need to have a servant's heart, a servant's attitude. Have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Can I get an amen on this this morning? And so, as we become more like Jesus, um, we serve, and serving is at the very heart. Of, of the Christian life. Um, and it's not optional. It's just not optional. And again, if we love God, we love people. In the book of 1 John, it says this. How can you say that you love God and you hate your brother? Or let me soften it a little bit. And you don't love and like the people around you. How can you say that you love God? And then it says this. The truth is not in you. If you say that you love God, but you don't love people, then the love of God's not in you and the truth is not in you. If we love God, we love people. And if we serve God, we serve people. And so we need to have this heart, this attitude. Let's go back to our question again. What on earth am I here for? I'm here for God and to bring him glory. I'm here to be in his family and to make others jealous of his family. We should so love and care for one another that people outside the family, I want to be in that family. Amen. Right. Amen. Amen. And I'm here to become more like Jesus. And I'm here to serve. And that bumps us right back. If I'm going to be like Jesus, I'm going to serve. And if I'm going to serve, I'm going to become more and more like Jesus. So there's plenty, plenty, plenty in the, in the Bible on this. But I just want to hit three big ones real quick. You were created to serve. You're actually pre-wired for impact. Uh, God has set you up so that when you show up, you make a difference. Yes. I did a funeral yesterday, and I said one of the greatest things I think you could ever say about somebody is you're always happy to see them coming. Yes. How many of you know there's some other people you're happy to see them going? You know, <laughs> you don't want to be that guy. You know, you're happy to see them, happy to see them coming. You were created to serve. You were created uh, for impact. Every one of us have capacity for what we call T four. Time, talent, treasure, and touch. We're to use that in a way. You're created in such a way to come and to make a difference, uh, you know, in every setting you're a part of. You were created to serve. And then secondly, you were saved to serve. We are originally created to serve, but sin actually means to miss the target, to get off track. And so when we're saved, we come back into the family of God. Our sins are forgiven. We're saved now, not just so God can collect us. He has saved us so that he can use us. He saved us so that we can serve. He puts us back on track so that we can be that, even with a greater mindset that that's part of our purpose. And then lastly, you were created to serve, you were saved to serve, you're called to serve. The New Testament is very, very clear about that, that you and I are servants of God. We choose to be that, amen? Amen. Look with me in 1 Peter chapter 4, and we're gonna go through uh, kind of a, a, extended passage here. And I want to pull some things out and head somewhere with us. Uh, Peter writes, so then Christ, since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourself with the same attitude he had. This is what I want you to focus on. The same attitude. Everybody say same attitude. Same attitude he had. And be ready to suffer too. For if you have suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. And I'm not going to get into all of the Theological ramifications of a verse like this, but I'm telling you what: when you've had opportunity to have pushback against your faith or suffer for him, it clarifies your faith. And can I take this moment to and encourage you to pray for our brothers and sisters in the family of God throughout the world? There is persecution throughout the world. You think you have persecution because of, you know, somebody didn't like your bumper sticker, you know, but there is martyrdom. The, that's happening throughout the world. There's persecution at, at some of the highest rates ever in the history of Christianity in places throughout the world. Pray for our brothers and sisters across across the world. Would you do that? Please do that. Pray as if you would want somebody to pray for you if the situation were reversed. But something clarifying happens when you have any kind of pushback against your your faith it clarifies there. What I want to point out out of this verse is you need to have the same attitude that Jesus had. Go to the next verse if you would. You won't spend the rest of your life lives chasing your own desires, but you will be anxious to do the will of God. When you have the same attitude that he had, then you won't spend the rest of your time in this life chasing after just just the things that you want to do. You will be anxious, you will want to do what the will of God is. Verse 3, look at this. You have had enough in the past of the evil things that godless people enjoy. Some of the other translations say you've spent enough time doing this. Okay, you've spent enough time doing what? Their immorality and lust, their feasting and drunkenness and wild parties and their terrible worship of idols. Let's point out a couple of things here. First of all, this life is not what God has for you. We saw in the previous verse... We saw in the previous verse that when you have the same attitude as Christ, when you're becoming more and more conformed to him, that you no longer are here just to do what you want to do. You're anxious to do the will of God. So in contrast and in context, then we find that these things are not what God has for you. And can I tell you why? Because it doesn't lead to life. You know that when you live a life in this way, it damages you. Is anybody here? Any former pirates here? You know, it damages you. It drains you. You know, and this is not what God would have for you. And you've spent, listen, you've spent enough time doing that. You've spent enough time doing that. Now, let's go ahead and look down at verse 7, if you will. The end of the world is coming soon. Well, there's some perspective. (laughs) There's some context. Class, we have, a, we have a due date. We have a deadline. The end of the world is coming soon. How many of you know that can motivate you a little bit? Um, I say this only for illustration purposes, but I have completed all of my doctoral stuff I've been working on. I've finished everything. I'm just waiting on graduation in, in the spring. Yeah, thank you. In the course of the whole doctoral studies, I've had to read about 19,000 pages. Nine trips out to seminary. Had to write, you know, post-session for every one of those things. And then I just finished my dissertation about seven, eight weeks ago. And it's close to about 300 pages. And then, like I said, graduation is in the spring. Well, let me tell you then, all of that process, I did not do all of that process by inspiration. I didn't wake up and go, I want to read hundreds of pages. <laughs> and then write. Can I tell you that some of it was sheer endurance. But can I tell you what moved me more than inspiration? Deadlines. Deadlines. Do you know I have a drop dead due date on this? You know what? That'll keep you inspired. That'll keep you moving. You're not waiting for this feeling to come upon you. It's like, I really feel like writing. Because I don't think that ever hit. Well, guess what? For all that he wants us to do, he drops this right in the middle of this passage. And we'll see some more in a moment here. The end of the world is coming soon. The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, because of that, let's pick up a few things that are being emphasized to us because we're we're in the end times. Now, this was written a long time ago. But let me tell you that we're closer than we've ever been. And for us, these are our last days. And so we need to make the most of those. And it says, therefore, because of that, Be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. We need to to crank up our prayer life a little more. Nod your head if you know it's true. We need to to be a little more earnest and disciplined in our prayers. Go to the next verse if you would. Most important of all, it gives us some priority here. Continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. We We need to ratchet up our love for one another, the kind of love that forgives and the kind of love that cheers one another on. Look at the next verse. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. What he's talking about here is hospitality, that we would be gracious and generous to other people. But I need you to look at me just for a moment, but we're in a dangerous world. We're in a dangerous world, and you need to be wise, and you need to be safe. And let me say that Scripture is very clear that you provide for your own first. You take care of your family first. You keep them safe, and you provide for them Or the Bible says you're worse than an infidel. Don't ever in your generosity and zeal go crazy and put your family in peril or put your family in lack because you're trying to help everybody else. That's not hospitality. That's irresponsible. Okay? Now, but when we do share with others, let's make sure that we're cheerful uh, uh, about that. And uh, I believe that God will help you and direct you in that. Next verse, please. God has given each of you, say, that's me. He has given you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Let's point out a couple things here. God has given each of you, and you said that is you, and it is you. He's given each of you a gift. Everybody say, I'm gifted. gifted. You really are. But I don't believe that you have a gift. I believe that you have gifts. And it says, well, a gift. But right here it says, use them. Them is plural, y'all. So use them well to serve one another. And he's given you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. There are at least three lists in the New Testament. Uh, Romans, 1 Corinthians, Ephesians, where it talks about gifts that God gives. None of those lists are complete. They're They're sampling to kind of tell you, here's here's some of the gifts. I believe that God has such a great variety, as it says, such a great variety of God-given gifts that he gives to each of us. You have gifts. You are gifted. God has given you what you need to do what? To use them well to, come on, to serve one another. You have gifts. God has given you what you need so that you can serve others. Look at the next verse, if you would. And here goes another sample, for example. Do you have the gift of speaking? How many of you know that not everyone does? How many of you know that some people do not have the gift of singing? How many of you know that some do not have the gift of cooking? Okay. So whatever gift you have, do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do using your gifts will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. So when we use our gifts, and you have gifts. Say it again. "I'm I'm gifted. When we have gifts... And God has given you gifts. You have talents. You have abilities. You have knacks to do things. Some of you can organize. Some of you can cheer people up. Some of you cook great. Some of you love being behind the scenes. Some of you can fix things. Some of you can't fix things. <laughs> you know, and on and on we go. You have gifts and are, they're God-given and you are to use them well to serve others. And when you use them, put everything you have into using them. And what happens... It will bring glory to God, which is the number one reason why you're here on planet Earth, is to bring him glory. And let me just say this, and then all glory and power to him forever and ever. All glory belongs to him. And Scripture is very, very clear in all your giftedness that all the glory goes to God. And he will not share his glory. But when you do things that bring him glory, he will share his joy with you. Everybody say this with me. The joy joy is in serving. In In the parable of the talents, Jesus said this. He taught this. To the one who had taken what had been given to him, had been entrusted to him, and he did well with it. He said this. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. So by using well what God would entrust you with, it brings glory to him. And he doesn't share his glory, but he'll share his joy. Enter into the joy of your Lord. The prophet Nehemiah says this, the joy of the Lord is your your strength. And so I believe this, that as you and I serve well, serve God and serve others with what God has entrusted us with, he will share, he will get glory. He will share joy with you. I believe there's like an immediate download, like a direct deposit into your soul of God's joy. When you help, when you serve, you feel it. Amen. There's a joy that comes to you, and that joy is what did we say? It's strength. It's strength. And, th- and that's also in your soul. So let's, let's kind of look at that just for a moment. If you're here today and you don't have strength in your soul, you probably don't have joy in your soul. And if you don't have joy in your soul, you're probably not serving anywhere. You're probably not helping anywhere or anyone. And that's part of, the, part of where you need to start is to think about, you know, I need to be serving God. God has given me some way that I can serve in my church, in my home, in my neighborhood, in, this, in the community, in this, in this, in this, whatever it would be. And you find a place to start serving That brings glory to God when you use what He has given you, brings glory to God. He won't share His glory, but I'll tell you what, He will share His joy, and that joy will bring strength into your soul. Amen. Amen. Look with me in Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. As we have opportunity, do good to everybody, but the priority begins in the family of God. You know, everything always begins where you're at. You start closest to you. That's where everything starts. Maybe your New Year's resolution is I'm going to be more nice to people. Well, guess where a good place to start? At your house. You know, Um, everything starts right where you are, closest to you. When the Great Commission came, you know, go into all the world. Uh, you were to begin where you were in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. They were in Jerusalem. You start where you're at. And so how do we serve? How do we do good to others? You start right where you're at. Bless, help, relieve, build up the people closest to you. It creates what I call holy jealousy. Holy jealousy that those are outside the family. They, they love what they see inside the family. And then that also sets us up where we share and show the love of God to people that are not in the family, the great grocery giveaway and other things that we do throughout the year and during the hurricane relief and things like that. Those are opportunities of what we call outreach. That's a church word, outreach. We reach out of the family, we reach out of God's goodness and we just share and show God's goodness to people around us, amen. Amen. Find a need and fill it, find a hurt and heal it. Ask God to help you to see the needs around you. Help him to see the connection between what you have and what you can do and be able to share that. You'll see it. You'll feel it. You know, there was a time where God asked Moses, what do you have in your hand? They were were in a a tough spot. And he said, I've got this rod. And God showed him what to do with a stick so he could split the sea and deliver a, a whole country. You know, there was a time where Jesus asked the disciples, what do you have? They said, we've got a little boy's lunch. Jesus was able to bless and multiply that lunch and feed a multitude. You just take the little that you have. You take the little that you can do. And as you put it in the master's hand, so to speak, he's able to use that in a great way. Amen. And sometimes you're going to see a situation, but you can't do anything about it. You should always at least pray. Do you hear me? Yes. Not that prayer is minimal. Prayer is powerful. Yes, is. But make sure that we're at least praying. Here's three words I want you to get concerning serving and helping. Ready? Never pray. Do nothing. Say it with me. Yeah. Never do nothing. You know, I see situations all the time. It's like, uh, I, I wish I could help, but I can't help that. Or sometimes you see a situation where there's help needed, but you know, I can't help them in the way they need help. You know, sometimes people are just wanting a handout, you know, and, and that may not be the thing that's going to help them. But you never do nothing. You know, at least what you need to do is encourage in some way. And certainly as you're as you're leaving that situation or observing that situation, make sure that you pray and ask that God would ultimately be their helper. Ministry is serving, living is giving. And when we're serving and when we're living, we're loving. And when you're serving and giving and loving, you're more and more like Jesus. Look with me if you will in Romans chapter 15. We're almost done. Those of us who are strong and able in the faith need to step in and lend a hand to those who falter and not just do what is most convenient for us. Strength is for service, not status. Each one of us needs to look after the good of the people around us, asking ourselves, how can I help? That's exactly what Jesus did. If we're gonna be more and more like Jesus, we're gonna be serving. And I want you to notice this passage again. That's exactly what Jesus did. And here's the question, how can I help? Could we, could we practice that one time, everybody with me? How can I help? And, and I'm telling you, in this season and in gatherings and events, you need to be asking the question, how can I help? One more time, ready? How can I help? You know, we've, we've got Christmas coming up and all my kids and family coming in. And then the week after that, my daughter's getting married. So we've got a whole lot going on. So I've just made it my business every day at least once to ask my wife, because honestly, she's carrying the lion's share of all the details, is to ask her, how can I help? How can I help? Sometimes she just says, I'll get back with you. Sometimes she says, count the napkins, you know. And then sometimes says, I need you to do this. But it just needs to be the attitude. It all starts with an attitude of how can I help? So what's our question? What on earth am I here for? I'm here for God and to bring him glory. I'm here to be in the family of God. I'm here to become more and more like Jesus. And the best way that I can do all of those things is that I serve. Because if I love God, I love people. And if I'm serving God, I'm going to serve people. Here's one of the big problems, though. We tend to exempt ourselves. We tend to excuse ourselves. I want to read you a list of some people from the Bible that God used and point out something about them. If they had excuses, here they are. Abraham was old. Jacob was insecure. Leah was unattractive. Joseph was abused. Moses stuttered. Gideon was poor. Samson was codependent. Rahab was immoral. David committed adultery, and David had all kinds of family problems. Elijah was suicidal. Jeremiah was depressed. Jonah was reluctant. Naomi was a widow. John the Baptist was was weird. (laughs) Peter Peter was impulsive and hot-tempered. Martha worried a lot. The Samaritan woman had multiple failed marriages. Zacchaeus was unpopular. Thomas had doubts. Paul had health issues and injuries. Timothy was young and timid. And on and on the list goes of the island of misfit toys. But God used every one of them. And God wants to use you. And he's given you not just gifts and talents. You know what else he's given you? Scars and stories and experiences. And he wants to use every one of us. Let me tell you, the most joyful life and the greatest strength that you're going to have in your soul is to realize that a big part of why I'm even on planet Earth is to serve people and to love people. And in doing so, it brings glory to God. Amen? I'm going to stop right there. Did you get anything at all out of this today? All right. Good deal. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Meadowbrook Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at NBC Ocala.